listening to this message brought to you by Living Word Church. We trust that as you hear the Word of God preached, you'll be encouraged and equipped to love God and do His will. If you're looking for a church home, please feel free to visit our Sunday morning worship service at 10 a.m. or visit our website at www.livingwordchurch.cc. And now for our message. morning, everyone. I think you can hear me. Can you? All right, there we go. Thank you, Mikey. Yes, we can hear you. Um, Well, good morning. I am excited. Uh, As our kids are dismissed, we forgot about you guys. We shall see you all soon. I'm excited to bring this word to you this morning that I feel that um, that God has given as I've prayed, and it's been brewing for quite a while, Um, and it's been at least since maybe February um, that this has kind of been brewing in me, and I'm not, wasn't sure when the right time would be or what to do with it. I just kind of sat on this um, for, for quite a while, and I feel like now the Lord is saying, um, this is the time to bring that word to, to us this morning. Um, so I do, I do believe it is a word from God. I do believe it is a timely word for us as a body, us as a church, for you as individuals, and so I'm excited. It's a great preface. Now, my pre-preface, if there is such a thing, is that I also need to make a confession this morning. And I don't take confession lightly, and I do believe that it is biblical for us to do so. Um, And scripture tells us that it's healthy um, for us. And so um, if you guys don't mind, just as I start, um, I would like to just make just a a quick confession. And it kind of starts this way. Back in February, Myself and Josh Barker and Andrew and from who goes to Hope Church and then Ryan who goes to Mercy Hill, we took a road trip to Florida. And we went solely with the purpose of attending this conference. I think I may have even alluded to it before called The Scent. And at this conference, an all-day conference, so we literally drove through the night, Thursday night, got there Friday, went to the beach exhausted just because we're in Florida and that's what you do, Right? went to this conference all day Saturday from 10 a.m. to 10 p.m., and then left that night to drive back, right? That was, yeah, it was one of those moments. But in that conference, Francis Chan was one of the speakers. And I know many of us know him, and, and we, are, we are aware of who he was. And when he came out to speak, one of the first things he did in his, before he began to share, was he got on his knees to pray. And that was his, you know, your pre-sermon prayer. And I was so convicted by that. And I was like, man, God, like that, do we even think about who it is we're praying to when we pray to the point that we would even humbly come before you in this way? And my whole drive back and all those hours in the car, I was just thinking, I want to adopt that into my, in, into my life, into the way I present God's word. Like I want when I pray before a sermon, not just to be this formality that we go through, but that there is this real sense of God, unless you speak, there are no words that will come out of my mouth that will change anything, 
right? And so I was convinced and I had it. And if you guys who have been here every week can tell me how many times that I've preached between February and now that I have taken this posture and position. Not a one. Because every Sunday I get here, I come up with 50 excuses. Well, I just don't want people just to think I'm just trying to be all religious and churchy and stuff, and people are going to think it's just over the top, and how ridiculous is that, or, or that's just going to be a little goofy, and what if I get down and I can't get back up? Like, seriously, I'm not young anymore. Like, this is real stuff, right? And in the conviction of the word that God has given me to share with us today, He lit into me. And he used this scripture. You can put it up, Psalm 95, 6 and 7. It says, come, let us worship. Let's bow down and worship. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker, for he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture, the flock under his care. Today, if only you would hear his voice. Kneel before our Lord was not a suggestion. Come, let us bow down and worship. Let us kneel before the Lord. I have a real problem, or I've had a real problem with my posture before the Lord. And this week, God was like, do you realize what kneeling means to me? This this humbling of your heart, this putting yourself in a position where you realize you cannot do anything without me. On my feet, I think I could fight. I'm a pretty scrappy guy. I grew up on the west side of Chicago. I've, I've developed a pretty good use of these hands, as they say. But on my knees, I'm weak. On my knees, Unless the Lord fights the battle, the battle will destroy me. And so then I learn on my knees to rely on him. To say, God, I'm going to pray for this message that you want to bring today. And I do so from a kneeling position, from this posture of God, unless you go before me, your people will not get anything I say. That God, what I want is not just my words to go forth because they will go out into the air and evaporate in the wind. But I want the enduring work of your Holy Spirit to impact the people that will hear my voice. So now let's pray. Lord God, we thank you so much for the opportunity that we have to open your word. Lord God, I do, like Reagan, thank you for this church body, God. I thank you for the people that are assembled in this place, Lord God. That as I confess that I have not been obedient to you, Lord, I don't get jeers and sneers, but instead I get love and support. Lord God, I pray that your word for this body, these people, at this time, Lord God, will have an impact. Lord God, not because of the things that I say but because of the power of your Holy Spirit moving amongst us. God, allow ears to be open. That would normally not be God. Allow attention to be brought to those who normally, who have a number of other things to do, Lord God. God, I pray right now that as we open your word, that from the youngest in the room to the oldest, Lord God, that they will hear your voice. God, that you will speak that your word will go forth with conviction, 
but Lord God, that it will be received with open arms. We pray these things in your name. Amen. Now, it does turn out that I will have to preach from down here because I can't get up, but it's okay. No, I'm kidding. Not that old just yet. The word that I want to share with us today is a follow-up to just a quick blurb that Ian Raleigh shared with us some months ago. Many of us know Ian, uh, who's from the UK, um, which is where Reagan will be going, and is a part of our greater network of churches, Lifelink churches, um, and he came up just a little bit before, I think Ricky Harvey shared um, on that particular Sunday, and he came up and he brought a word and he said something that has kind of reverberated in my brain for, since he said it, and I've really been trying to figure out how to, to deal with it. <laughs> and he said, you know, I've, I've, and I'm going to have to paraphrase a little bit because I don't remember exactly, but said something to the effect of living word church, being in a place now where he feels like we may be on the cusp of revival. And I thought, well, that's really awesome. But let me tell you the humanity in me, and again, maybe this is just another confession, I just like to be honest up here. I struggle with the R word. I don't know if anyone else does. But when, I mean, I just remember when I became a, a Christian, a, a committed follower, I had grown up in the church, but, but when God actually took a hold of my life, I was 18 years old, and I remember hearing about this revival, this idea of revival, and I just thought, oh my goodness, that's the greatest thing. Like, I would love to see the day when revival takes place in a place and, and people are healed and, and there's people speaking in, in tongues and there's prophecy going forth and there's all these different things that are happening. I'm like, that would be, and just people would just come in off the street, you know, because they just felt the presence of the Lord in a place and it would just draw people in cars, be driving by and they just have to pull into the parking lot because they're like, there's something, I was just trying to drive by, but there's, there's something I felt and I just had to come in. Like, oh my goodness, who wouldn't want that? And then I started to do a little research on the last revival that I know of, which was Azusa Street. It was 1906. And I thought to myself, God, is this idea of revival, is this kind of like a unicorn? I mean, sorry, if that, maybe it's just me. I almost feel like maybe this is a Sasquatch. The legends have been told about it. There's stories that have gone forth about powerful movements of the spirit. But but I've not seen it. Is this even a, a thing to desire? Well, I want to encourage us this morning that I believe that we can be on the cusp of revival. But it starts with each individual. Because the question always in my mind that comes up with revival is are we waiting on the Holy Spirit or is the Holy Spirit waiting on us? Right? But when the Holy Spirit comes in his power, revival will happen. And we just sit here. And it'll just be like that. It'll be like 
Like we just all of a sudden are just like, boom. And what I am want to share with us is that that can definitely happen. And whenever the Holy Spirit decides to take over a space, it can be done. But I also think there is a personal work that has to happen in us that ushers in revival as well. So if you don't mind, we're gonna open up God's word and we're gonna look at, we're gonna do a little character study today. I just felt like that's just a, an easy way to kind of open God's word. We're gonna look at two individuals and we're gonna glean from these individuals some truths that I feel like the Lord wants to share with us regarding this revival that we are on the cusp of as a body. This idea that there is an improvement in the condition or the strength of something. I mean, that's what revival is, just simply in our Merriam-Webster's dictionary. An improvement in the condition of or strength of something. So if we're gonna see an improvement in the condition of our faith, of our perseverance in the spirit, of our strength as a body, our, our strengthening of something, then we need to usher in, we need to welcome in, we need to be open to what God wants to do in us. Both of these stories that I'm gonna share, these individuals we're gonna talk about are people you have read about probably, and I, this will not be an exaggeration, a hundred times or more. And that's only if you've been a Christian for under five years. If you've been a Christian for over five years, you've probably heard these, both of these for several hundred times. So this will not be anything new, but what I want us to glean from it may be. So we're gonna go, we're gonna turn to Luke chapter 18. We're going to start in verse 18. And I'm going to read it, and as I'm reading it, you'll be like, oh, I know this. Yes, you do. It said, a certain ruler asked him, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good, Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. You should not commit adultery. You should not murder. You should not steal. You should not give false testimony. Honor your father and mother. All these I have kept since a boy, he said. When Jesus heard this, he said to him, you still lack one thing. Sell everything you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. When he heard this, he became very sad because he was very wealthy. Jesus looked at him and said, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. Indeed, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. And we're going to stop there. Now, like I said, you are very familiar with this, with this story of Jesus and his encounter with the, with the rich young ruler. And I don't think there's anything in here that, again, I'm going to say really that you've not seen, but I want us to think about it from a different perspective. Because you may be sitting here and you may be thinking, yeah, I know that story, but, but that story is about him just being saved, right? Him just getting eternal life. This, this isn't about me because I'm already saved, right? And I just feel like there is this reality of what happens when we encounter Jesus. Yes, the, our first encounter with Jesus that changes our hearts dramatically is that we would be saved and that we would recognize our sin, recognize what he accomplished on the cross for us, and therefore we would accept the saving grace of Jesus Christ. That leads to eternal life. But let me tell you this, as believers, 
as Christ followers, then we are also called to not only live with the hope and expectation of eternal life to come, but we are to live with abundant life right now. And so I feel clearly that in this encounter with this man, we can, we can almost kind of pull a little bit out from this and say, I think maybe there is something here even for us if we've been believers for some kind of time. So let's just pull it apart real quickly. This will just take just a couple minutes and then we're gonna look at our second character. But he goes, what must I do to be saved? And God said, okay, fine, follow the word, right? And he goes to the 10 commandments and he says, you know, don't commit adultery, don't be a murderer or a thief or a liar, honor your parents. And he looks at him and he goes, well, I do that. I'm not an adulterer, I'm not a murderer, I'm not a thief, I'm not a liar, I'm not somebody who dishonors my parents. That's, that's rude, I wouldn't do that. And Jesus says, okay, I'm really glad that you do that. And that's some of our posture as well, right? God, I don't do none of the big stuff. I haven't murdered anybody lately, so I'm all good. And even when I lie, it's justifiable lies, so that's different. But he says to this rich man, he says, okay, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So if I'm really good as you say, then why don't you sell everything you have and then come follow me? Yeah, he was probably as quiet as you are right now. Right? I mean, I could do the, I could do the, the not murder thing and, I, and the not being a thief thing, and, and that should qualify me. That should be good enough. But he says, okay, make me number one in your life. And Jesus, knowing the heart of the man, because he is all, he's, though he was fully human, he was fully God, said, I already know in talking to you that I'm not number one. So what do you do? Let me challenge then your idea that you have got it all together. Make me first. And it says, the guy walked away sad because he was rich. Let me tell you, when excuses win, we lose. And what was the, I mean, the, the, the first response, I mean, I'm sure when he heard Jesus say that, he came up with a million excuses as to why this is not gonna work out. God, you don't know the bills that I have to pay. You don't know the lifestyle that I've built up for myself. You know what, trying to keep that big, beautiful home that I have and all the people that work for me and all that, that takes work, that takes effort, that takes money. And if I sell and give away all of my money, then I am left with nothing. Maybe he was saying, my identity is wrapped up in my resources. And if I give away my resources, then I give up my identity and I'm not ready to take yours yet. It becomes extremely difficult in a life 
for revival to really take root when God is not number one. There cannot be an individualized improvement or strengthening in our spirit life and our inner life if there are things that are vying for first place and we allow them. So some of us walk around sad like this guy. And it may not be money. I could always, I could tell us in this room and you, some of you still wouldn't believe me that according to how we fit into the world, you, everyone in this room is wealthy. But we wouldn't believe it. And I could put up on the screen the different statistics about the amount of money that people have and make around the world that will tell you that you are in the top 1%. And you still wouldn't believe it. So we can always say, oh, well, this story is about a rich man. And well, that's not me because I'm not rich. You are. But what you may lack in resources, God is saying, it's not even about your wealth. I want your heart. And so many times, so many times, and I'm speaking of myself included, so many times it is so difficult for me to give up the, the, my own kind of what I want to do. Really to submit it fully to God my resources, my job, my everything. And so then I walk, away, walk around sad. Oh, God, I would love to follow you and do everything that you want me to do, but I gotta, I gotta keep this, this job. I know it makes me work 70, 80 hours and I can't go to prayer. I can't be involved in anything in the church. I can't give myself to anything that really is gonna move the needle forward spiritually, but that's just because if I don't do this, then there's just no way. So I just walk around my head that I'm sad and I show up on Sundays and I hope that's enough. And I know internally it's not, but I can't change anything because I don't want to. Oh, but, but God, I'm, a, I'm the taxi driver for the kids. I got to get them in everything, everywhere, all the time. And I know it doesn't make time for you. And I know I miss three quarters of the Sundays even in service because we got a travel squad that goes all over the world. But God... I, that's my kids. I mean, I know you love them more than me, but seriously. And we walk around with excuse after excuse after excuse. And I just want to share with us that if we're going to usher in true revival in our own lives and therefore corporately what the Holy Spirit wants to do, we cannot take the same mindset as that rich young ruler. We don't want to walk around sad of all the things that could be or would be if we would just. Now's the time to relinquish whatever is holding you. And say it was easy. I just said it was time. Now let's flip just a couple chapters later. And there's another story that you all know extremely well. And this is Zacchaeus. Many of you know Zacchaeus because you could sing the song because you sang it as a kid. Zacchaeus was a wee little man and a wee little... You know it. 
Luke chapter 19 says this, Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, he has gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to his house because this man too is a son of Abraham for the son of man came to seek and save the lost. We know this one very well. And I think you see the juxtaposition. I think you see the difference in the responses of these two. Here is the reality. There were two different encounters with the same guy, the same Christ. One had excuses, right? I wish I could, but I'm too rich and I really can't give this up. And the other had obedience. When immediate obedience wins, we win. Immediate obedience to God. I mean, I love even the one, the one verse there. If I could find it, because this Bible is written really small. It said right there in verse 6. So he came down at once. Jesus says, Zacchaeus, I'm going to your house. That was his moment to make the excuses. Yeah, but my house ain't clean. God, you don't understand. You don't know what them kids did to my house. It's after the weekend, right? That was the moment. It was right there. He could have very quickly, very easily came up with excuses. Sometimes, so often, that's our moment when we can come up with excuses, and we do, like that rich young man. But then there's Zacchaeus who says, at once, he came down and said, let's go. Not going to worry about the condition of my home. I'm not even going to worry about what all the naysayers are saying around me. This was the conviction of me wanting to give my confession this morning that I would be obedient at once, that I would have immediate obedience to the Holy Spirit when he prompts me to do something instead of putting it off and coming up with excuses. And so here we are. You got this, young, this, this tax collector, and there was no doubt he was crooked. That was one of the joys of being a tax collector is you get to skim a little off the top. There was no doubt. He did not question at all. Jesus didn't even have to call him out on his crookedness. He knew it so well that when he was in the presence of God, he was like, oh my goodness, hey, look, I already know you know, and I don't know how I know you know, but I know you know because the way you look at me or speak to me or whatever, I don't know, I didn't have a face-to-face with Jesus, but I would imagine just his eyes alone, you could look and you could just see your whole story playing out before you. And he's just like, Look, everything I have, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to sell half of it right away, and I'm going to give it away, and the rest I'm going to use to pay back everybody I've ripped off. Here's where we end with this. Do we want to walk away sad, 
Or do we want to walk away set free? You see, the rich man walked away sad. He hung his head down because he just couldn't grasp this idea of making God number one when money had been number one in his life for so long. And then you have Zacchaeus who is like, I want to be free from this. If Jesus is coming into my home, if he's coming to stay with me, and I know there can't be room for crud, and not just the crud in my physical home, the crud in here. So what is our response to an encounter with the Holy Spirit, to the encounter with Christ going to be? Look at Revelation 3.20. It should show up here on the screen. And it simply says this. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice, I will come in and will eat with that person and they with me. <coughs> Excuse me. Do you know what that is saying? <clears throat> Even today, right here, right now, May 20th, 19th, 2019. This isn't just a call to those who don't know Christ, though it is a call to don't know Christ. This is a reality for us who know him. Even today, he's standing at the door saying, hey, I want to come to your house and I want to eat with you and I want to hang out and I want to be in control. Here he stands. If you open up and let me in, party on. Or will we continue to put our head down and say, God, I know this sounds good, but you don't understand. I know this all sounds like this could really make a difference in my life and it could make a difference in, in the life of others, but, but you don't understand. You don't understand how hard I've worked to build what I've got, to create what I've got, to do what I've got, to maintain what I've got, whether it's a phony facade or real, you don't understand, and therefore, you need to stay on the other side of that door. But I believe firmly, I believe truly, I believe with all my heart, with all my soul, that is God is allowed in 100% into the individual lives of you, my brothers and sisters in Christ, that revival will take place. It did in Zacchaeus' house. When his life was changed, not only did Jesus declare that he would know Christ in eternal life, but his entire family. Could you imagine what it was like when he came home from his encounter or with Jesus in tow, saying, family, guess what? Everything's changing now. We can't stay in this big house anymore because I'm selling everything. I'm either giving it away or I'm giving it back to people I ripped off. So we're going to have a smaller place and we're going to just, we're going to continue to worship this guy right here. Right? Do you think that, I mean, that's revival. When he's so much of a number one in our lives that nothing else matters. I'm not worried about all the things I don't have anymore. I mean, that's why in Pentecost, on the day of Pentecost, with the coming of the Holy Spirit, what did it say? It said the people began to just give away their stuff to meet the needs of people around them. Now, I'm not telling people, go out and start selling all your stuff. Though if the Lord leads you in that way, that's fine. I'm simply saying this is not even about the stuff, it's about the heart. 
What do we make room for in our lives? If God is number one, then we can't say, yeah, but my day's too busy. I can't go to prayer. Or what's the good one? I know the one I always use. I can pray anywhere, so I don't need to go to church to pray. It's not about the where, it's about the obedience. When we are obedient to God saying, hey, come together corporately and pray, if God is number one, then we make room for what's number one. Amen? Because I know I do. You know what I had to clear off my schedule, including my wife and children to go to Florida with my buddies? Oh, I will clear the schedule for the things that are important to me. Ask me to paint the house. Oh, the kids, they need me. I got to be there around there. Oh, my wife, I got to, this is our time, our, our, our personal quiet time together. I can't do that. I believe that revival will come and that this church is on the brink of revival when we come to the position together as a body that says, God, there is no one greater. I am going to allow you to be number one. I want to be set free from the love of money, from the love of stuff. I want to be set free from these packed schedules that won't allow me to do anything that grows my own personal spiritual growth. I mean, challenge yourselves. How many of you spend quiet time with God each day? Don't raise your hand. Seriously. Who does it? We will come on Sunday and we will worship openly and Monday through Saturday, God's like, who are you? Why do I only see you once a week? Hear from you once a week. And the only other time I hear from you is bless this food. What does that even mean? I'm sorry, I don't want to make it light, but it is the truth. And you guys are my family. And these words that I share with us to draw us is because I really believe that God wants to do something through this church. As I have given you this testimony before, but I'll say it again, for all those years that I did not I was out of love with the church. I held a lot of hurt against the church. I still went because I knew it was the right thing to do. It was a checkoff thing on the list, but I was not invested at all in the church. I didn't want to be. Intentionally did not want to be. And God spoke to me so clearly, so clearly after five years, almost six years, of going in at the end of the, as late as I could go, right before the message, and running out before anybody could catch me to say anything to me. I mean, I literally found the biggest church in my area because I knew I could meld into the walls and nobody would even know I was there. And this wasn't even a diverse area. So it's hard to meld into the walls when you look like me in the church that I was attending at that point. (laughs) But I was still able to pull that off quite successfully. And God spoke so clearly to me. Andy, what I am going to do in this world is going to happen through the church. So you need to get involved. That's what, I mean, that was clear. 
that what he's going to do in this world, what he's going to do in a community, he's going to use his body. He's going to use his church, not this building. We could burn this building down and we could put up chairs in this parking lot and have church. No, but he said, what I'm going to do, revival that is going to happen, things that are going to grow and that are going to change and that are going to move and propel people forward in Christ is going to happen through my church. So what was his challenge to me? Andy, you got to get in the game. No more of this coming in last and leaving out early. No more of this, you know you've got some gifts that I've given you and you're not using them. Why? Because you're lazy? Because you're mad at at some things that happen in, in some churches? He's like, you need to get it together, dude. And we moved back here just shortly after. And after almost a year of wandering still, God led me to the promise. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but God did. Brought us here. So I say this to my family. You all who know, who know that God used, and I've told you guys this before, who God used you to restore my love for his church. He did. He did whether you know it or not. That's why I'm encouraging us as a body to say we are on the brink of revival. The Holy Spirit does want and will do and will continue to to move us forward and continue to bring us to a place where we will see the miraculous happen, where we will see God's hand at work, where we will see worship to the point where we're like, is there even any instruments playing? Because I can't hear them because these voices are so powerfully declaring God's work that if there's a drummer back there, I don't know it because I can't hear him no way. That we will say, hey, there's a need. These people need somewhere to stay or these people need something to eat and that there's just going to be people that are just going to say, where do I sign up? I want to give to that. There's going to be a point when there's going to be people that come in and can really be honest and say, I'm hurting right now. And God's church will rally around them like they've never seen before and we'll pray and we'll make meals and we'll say, we'll do whatever it takes to help restore you, to help you feel like you're whole again. That's what's going to happen when the church of God that is, is experienced in revival. We are on the brink of that. Because there are so many of you who are given to the things of God who will do that in a moment. That if I call or text and say, hey, we need, you're like, okay. Ah, but when it's all of us, when it's all of us, when we say, oh, 7 p.m., Wednesday night, prayer, and there's all of us, the Holy Spirit, you guys, one, I'm going to fall out on the ground, but then two, we will know that we're all in, that our hearts are all in, not to make anybody feel guilty about things going on in our lives. This is not about that, but it is about the sense that God is saying, I need you all in. Living word, if we are going to be this beacon on a hill in Lansing that will radiate from this area all the way out across the world. Oh, God help us. Then we need to be all in. We need to not be sad and make excuses. We need to immediate obedience and be set free. 
And in doing so, our lives will be forever changed. Our families will be forever changed. This church will be forever changed. This community will be forever changed. This region will be forever changed. This country will be forever changed. And if you don't believe me, then you take that out with my God because I know he's big enough to do it all. I said there was going to be enough time for us to worship. And even though there's not, Grant, can we anyway? Let's, let's exalt the Lord one last time before we go. But here's the deal. As I'm sweating like I just played in a football game, that's when you know you've been bringing it, y'all. I'm just saying. No, I'm just, no, don't do that. While we are getting ready to just sing this final song, just for a few minutes, too long. Let's not go too long. People are being really nice to me right now. Um... I want you to take just a few moments as we're even singing. And I want you to think about where you are in your walk. And some of you may be sitting in this place that I've never even surrendered my life to Christ in the real way. I, I, I made excuses. I, I was like that rich young ruler. I knew that meant that I, there's, some, there's some things that I got to do differently in my life, and I, I just wasn't ready to do those things differently. So, so I've just never, I might have sat in church for, for 10 years or 15 years, but I've never really surrendered these things to Christ. I was that rich young ruler. I kind of made excuses, and I'm always got my head down just hoping nobody will notice. And I believe if you don't know Christ, if you have not received him, I'm just going to say today is the day. And if you have, and if you've been walking with the Lord for forever, well, maybe not forever, but you've been walking with the Lord for years and years and years and years and years, and you're being challenged to say, God, is there, is there some place, is there some way you want me to, to improve, to grow deeper? Because revival, again, is this, this improvement in the condition or strength of something. If there's an area that you want to bring revival in my own heart, in my own life, then God, I say, I'm all in. Set me free from whatever it is that's holding me back. Don't allow me to be afraid anymore. I want to give it all to you. I want you to have control of this. Because right now, I am the king on my throne. I want to see my heart humbled as if I'm on my knees saying, God, I can't do anything without you. That if the mighty and the miraculous is going to happen, you're going to have to do it. So I give you control. I'm going to pray for us. And I'm going to ask that our worship team lead us just in a final chorus together. Lord God, I just thank you. God, I thank you. God, thank you for your word. God, I thank you that you are here and that you're amongst your people. God, I thank you that you love us so much, Lord God, that you are calling us to a greater place, a greater depth of relationship with you. God, I am grateful that I'm surrounded by such a cloud of witnesses, Lord God. Those who have seen your goodness in their lives and can proclaim it. God, I pray that if there is a space where you want to move us forward, Lord God, that we say, come, Lord Jesus, come. 
Lord God, I pray that if there's any in this space who have not relinquished their lives to you, that have not surrendered their hearts to you, God, I pray right now in the name of Jesus that the excuses will go and the obedience will come right now, Lord. God, I pray that you would allow us, God, to, to be a people who just want to do what our Father calls us to do. That we don't want to be hindered by the things of the world, but that we want to be completely committed to everything you want and have for us, Lord God. God, change us. Make us more like you. And in doing so, Lord God, bring in revival into this place. God, that this won't just be some idea that is floated around in the cosmos, but God, that it would be real here in Living Word Church. God, as we lift you up, speak to us, Lord God, in the way that only you can. 